Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. We strive to lead people to be God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. Our goal is to tear down the walls that have kept people away from church to help them build a relationship with God, our Creator. We are so glad you're tuning in today. We hope and pray that this leads you to Jesus and His path for your life. So, without further ado, here is today's teaching. scene for you. Uh, Imagine, if you will, you know, you can close your eyes if it helps, but I don't think you have to. It's Saturday morning. You uh, wake up without an alarm. You're lying in bed and you hear a little pitter patter of rain. Not not a lot of rain, not like enough rain that it's going to ruin the rest of your day, but enough rain that you lay there and you go, there's no reason that I need to rush to get out of bed this morning. And so you're laying there and then Maybe your little girl comes in and she sees that you're laying there and she crawls in with you, not asking for you to get up and make breakfast, not asking for you to, uh, to turn on the television or to do anything else. She just snuggles up and says, I love you, Dad. And y'all snuggle and you just lay there and it's, it's beautiful and you're so peaceful and so, so quiet and maybe you even start dozing off a little bit and you're laying there, your eyes closed, breathing deeply going, yes, this is what it's all about. Wham, bam, blah, 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 the double elbow off the top rope, both of your boys coming in at the same time right into your abdomen. And the moment is destroyed, broken into a thousand tiny elbows and knees sharp as needles. And you know there's no way to get that moment back. Because even if you settle the boys down and you get them, you're like, no, 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 it's not going to be the same. And maybe for you, that's not the moment. Maybe for you, that's not what it is. You, you, know, you don't have as many kids as I do, so you don't have all the same problems. But you do understand the moment. Maybe for you, it's curling up with a good book on the couch or laying out on the beach. Maybe for you, it's firing up the grill in the backyard or just hanging out with certain people that in that place, in that time, in that space, you go, oh. Man, this is good. This is right. This is where it's supposed to be. But inevitably, something comes, something shatters it. Whether it's a phone call that you get of bad news, or someone mentions something that has hurt your feelings in the past, or some joke goes awry, or you remember how much money you don't have. But something breaks that calm. You know, it's interesting because we recognize in that moment that it's gone. That that calm, that peace, that, that, that moment has, has flown away that we're not going to be able to recapture it right now. And so what we do is we get up and we go forward and we say, you know what? Hopefully I'll recognize the next time that comes by. That moment, those moments, those experiences are are often called peace. Peace. Right now, uh, we are in a teaching series. It's going to go through most of the summer called Walk the Walk. where we're, We're going through and our big goal is to spend these weeks unpacking one of God's biggest goals for us in our life, which is to walk and step with him and the Spirit 
Uh, last week, Chris was here. He talked about joy and, and about how joy is this spiritually deep recognition that even if things are going bad right here, right now, in this moment, that God is still good and that the more we learn about that, the more we understand that, the more we see that God doesn't necessarily have to redeem our circumstance to be able to bring our soul back to a place of contentment. Chris said, that's what joy is. And then the week before, he was talking about this dichotomy that happens and takes place in our life where it's this double-sided coin where one side is called walking in the flesh and doing the things that I want. And it's me, 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 and it's all over here. And the other side is walking in the spirit. And it's loving the way God loves, putting ourselves second, putting others first, putting God's desires ahead of our own. And so this series, we're going through and we're learning about how God wants to grow this fruit in our lives, that he wants to produce in us these good things so that we can go out in the world and share them. But it's not a bunch of different kinds of fruit. You know, I've talked about, today we're talking about peace, and last week we talked about joy, and the week before that it was love, but it's not different fruit. It's just sections of the same fruit. The fruit that's found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 where Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. I always put that in there because, I mean, it's there, but I love it. It's like nobody's going to tell you that you're going to go to jail for having self-control. I promise. It's like, oh, you didn't punch that guy in the face? Good job. But this week, this week we're going to talk about peace about what is peace, how do we obtain peace, how do we make peace in our life and share it with others. And the first question that you have to ask with that is, what is peace? What actually is it? Like when when you look at the word, when you say, all right, if I'm going to talk about peace, I'm going to say what peace is. Peace is, well, I I didn't know. Well, I did, but I wanted to make sure I had it right, so I, I went to the dictionary. You know that big book that you flip? All right, I'm just kidding. I Googled it. This is what Google said. Google said, and this is like, I even just said, hey, Google, what is peace? And my phone just told me, and it was beautiful. Um, here's what it said. Peace is freedom from disturbance, quiet and tranquility. Now, I want you to notice there's a semicolon there. That means it's a break. So it's not freedom from disturbance, quiet, and tranquility, but freedom from disturbance, quiet, and tranquility. Because I was confused at first. I was like, I, I don't think peace is freedom from quiet. Or my mom was lying to me all those times. She said, I just need some peace and quiet. Uh, but freedom is also, our peace is also freedom from, uh, or the cessation of war or violence and freedom from worry. Now this here though, this definition, this is talking about worldly peace. This is that peace that you can find accidentally on a Saturday morning. This is the peace that you can find as you're hanging out with your friends around a campfire. This is the peace that there are diplomats all over the world, even right now, probably this morning, sitting in secret rooms, trying to make sure that we don't all blow each other up. Like, this is that kind of peace. Is that really the same kind of peace that God is offering to us as part of the fruit of the Spirit? Is it really the same kind of thing when we walk the walk? as any Joe Blow can find out on the street? Well, every week at Venture Church, we like to look to the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions. And I think this is one of those. 
And so we're going to dig in. We're going to see what the Bible has to say about this. Uh, and if you want to turn there with me, this first part, it's going to be a little hectic because we're all over the place. But after that, it'll, it'll calm down. Uh, so you can do that. Or if you've got a Bible app on your phone. Uh, and I do want to say, if you don't own a Bible that's a good, easy reading version of the Bible, uh, there is on the shelf or table right outside this door some free Bibles that you can use this morning, that you can take home with you, that as long as you promise to read it some, it's yours. I think that's a fair trade there. Uh, but the words will also be up on the screen. Uh, so I did some research. I, I dug in, and I didn't just Google this. I actually went to uh, some Bible study software and looked this up and found that in the English version of the Bible, in the NIV specifically, there are almost 250 different places in the Scripture that use the word peace or some variation of it. So peace, peaceful, peaceable, peacely, peace, I don't know, meal. I don't think that's the one. Um, but I went through for you and I read every one of them. I read all 250 uh, and I did that because I wanted to see what the Bible said about peace. I wanted to see what, what was there. And I'll be honest, um, most of them, uh, most of them are just like, hey, go in peace. Uh, or the land was at peace, period, the end. And you're like, well, that doesn't help. But there was a handful. There was a handful, uh, about eight or nine, that actually described what peace was after it used the word. It actually told us what peace was. And so I'm gonna read through those and we're gonna go fast through them because I just want you to see that it's all kind of saying the same stuff. So here we go. Leviticus chapter 26, verse six. I will grant peace in the land to you, you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. I will remove wild beasts from the land and the sword will not pass through your country. Second Chronicles 14, he built up the fortified cities of Judah since the land was at peace. No one was at war with him during those years. The Lord gave him rest. Second Chronicles 20, and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. Psalm 4, 8, in peace I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Proverbs 17, 17, better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. I do wanna say when my wife saw this one as I was going through it, she said, I need that as a plaque in my kitchen. <laughs> like I, we need to have that. Uh, Isaiah thirty two seventeen. the fruit of that righteousness will be peace and its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places and secure homes and undisputed places of rest. Ezekiel 34, I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forest in safety. John 14, this is Jesus talking Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Now again, this isn't all the passages that talk about peace in the Bible, but it is all the ones that kind of describe what peace is. And I think as we look at these, if you'll leave them up for just a minute, Lauren, as we look at these, we can see a beautiful picture being painted of what the peace of God is. The peace of God is confidence in God. The peace of God is safety in him. The peace of God is more than just the freedom from disturbance or war or even worry because it's the knowledge that God is good. The peace of God is the confidence 
that he can bring us safety. It's the confidence that he knows what our place in the world is. It's the confidence that he will give us rest. Doesn't that sound good? Rest with no troubles. Rest with no heartache. Rest with no pain. That is the peace of God. That is what it brings. So, so you gotta be thinking right now, well, how do I get that into my life? How do I get some of that? I wanna have that. And, and I, I think that's what we want. That's what we need. That's what we're here today to figure out. And thankfully, thankfully, the Lord understands that sometimes we just need directions. He understands that sometimes we just need to be said, this is what you need to do. This is all you have to do. This is where you need to go. It'll be wonderful, just do this. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do on my own is challenging. Sometimes, you know, even when I'm building Lego, sometimes I just want to look at the instructions and sit down and go, oh, I put this piece here, beautiful, and just do it. And God knows that about us. And so there's a place in the scriptures where we're told specifically how to get this piece of God. It's in the book of Philippians, the apostle Paul is writing to the church there and he, he's talking about joy in the same verse, in the same, or same place, in the same chapter, the same breath that Chris was in last week, talking about what true joy is and how to find joy. Paul tells us how to find peace. Philippians 4, chapter 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There it is, right, right there. Paul has laid it out. He gave us a two-part plan to find the peace of God that transcends all understanding, which is why I had to Google what peace was because I didn't understand it. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, but here's what he says. First, he says, don't be anxious about anything. All right. That seems super easy, right? Just don't be anxious. Just don't, don't worry about anything. Don't, it'll be, I mean, like my father-in-law's got that down. Uh, you talk to him, whatever's going on, he's like, eh, just get over it. Uh, but not in like a, a, you know, a demeaning kind of way. He's not like, I just get over it. He's like, no, just get over it. It, it happened, you're done, whatever. You know, Rafiki hitting the lion on the head and saying, and leave the past in the past, whatever. But it's hard, like, it should be easy. Like, everything about what it is tells me it should be easy to just be confident in the Lord. Uh, it, there's a place in, in Scripture where we have what seems to be an entire sermon preached by Jesus. Uh, it's in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, a little bit in chapter 8, like, it's in that area. And, and in that, that realm, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, by the way. Uh, most times, like you might find that heading in your Bible. And it's a pretty clever name since it was a sermon that was given on the side of a mountain. Uh, like they thought that one out a lot. But, uh, but Jesus preached it. And right in the middle of it, as he's going through and talking about all these big, heavy, weighty things and about the kingdom of God coming and about how we need to be a light shining into the world, all this stuff right in the middle. Jesus says, don't worry about a thing, because every little, no, wait, that's, that was Bob Marley. Wait, wait, here's, here's, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, Matthew chapter six, verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, 
What you will eat or drink about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes, which is really basically the same thing as don't worry about a thing. Because that's, I mean, think about it. Think about the audience Jesus was talking to right there. First century Israelites. What else did they have to worry about? I mean, it's not like they were going, oh man, the, uh, the Germany-Mexico game's getting ready to start and I'm not there to watch it. I don't know what's gonna happen. You know, they're, they're not rushing to, to make sure their DVR is not too full to catch all of the US Open because I'm sure somebody's done that. Um, they're not worried about whether Comcast or Fox is going to buy, or Disney is going to buy Fox. Like, none of that was their worry. They didn't have anything else to worry about, so they worried about where their next meal would come from. And they worried about keeping that one or two sets of clothes that they had wearable. And Jesus says, don't worry about that. Your life is so much bigger than that. He said, don't worry about anything. Even these things that are probably the most important things in your life. He continues in verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add even a single hour to your life? And he continues why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin, and yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his splendor, not even Solomon in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? See, what Jesus is talking about is the confidence that comes from the peace of God. The confidence that, that is the peace of God. He says, look at the birds, look at the grass, look at the world around you. God takes care of all of that. And that wasn't his special creation. That wasn't the one that he breathed life into and said, you are the image of me and I love you. God is good. And God loves you, so why do we worry? Why do we get anxious about all the different things that we get upset about and anxious about? God has our back, but Jesus knows. He knows that we're not quite there yet. He knows that we need a little bit more. And so he says this, uh, verse 31, do not worry saying, what will we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For this is what the pagans run after. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. <laughs> I think we could end right there and we, we, we still have learned something good today. Uh, you know, look at Jesus' sermon, it's better than mine. But it's true. And, and yet we, we pull in tomorrow's worries. We pull in yesterday's worries. We pull in today's worries and we try to bundle them all up and we hold on to them tight. But the thing is, peace is confidence in the Lord. Confidence that, that he knows what he's doing. Confidence that, that we can say, instead of worrying, 
I'm going to trust God. Instead of being anxious, I'm going to trust that he knows what he's doing. Instead of being anxious and worrying, I'm going to trust that even in the middle of my darkest hour, that God still has a plan, that God still loves me, that he still knows what's best for me, that he still wants what's best for me, and that every little thing is going to be all right. But the thing is, Paul didn't leave it at just don't be anxious because, again, God knows that we need more instruction than that. So he actually told us how to live a life that was not anxious. That's what that next part of the verse is. Go back to verse uh, Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says, don't be anxious. Here's how. Don't be anxious. Instead, go and talk to God. Don't be anxious. Instead, pray. With prayers of thanksgiving, with prayers of request, with prayers that just say, God, this is what's going on in my life today. Because Paul says, pray about everything. In every situation. Take the time to talk to God. Now, I want to share a thought with you about prayer, that one that I've taught for years that I heard in a sermon by a guy named Craig Rochelle from LifeChurch.tv. And I heard this, and from the moment I heard it, I went, oh, man, what have I been doing? And I hope that maybe you have that same kind of a, a moment and a feeling. But it's simply this. He's talking about prayer, and he says, what you pray for directly reflects what you believe about God. Think about that for a second. What you pray for directly reflects what you believe about God. Say you don't pray about anything. Well, that tells us that you either don't believe in God or don't believe that he answers prayers. That says a lot. Maybe you only pray really small prayers, you know, the prayers of, hey, God, give me traveling mercies and keep me safe and help me to not choke on this food as I eat it. Well, maybe that says something about what you believe about God as well. Maybe it's saying that you don't believe that God is a God that can answer big prayers. If all your prayers are for you, maybe it's always God help me to be a better me. God help me to, to have all the things. You know, let me get an A on this test I didn't study for. Let all this junk food I'm about to eat be nourishment to my body. And you pray me, 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 that reflects what you believe about God too. Start looking at God more as a Santa Claus and a servant than the creator and master of all the universe and creation. But it also makes a problem because then when you're praying those prayers and they don't get answered, what do you do? You go, well, maybe God doesn't exist. Saw a video on America's Funniest Home Video this week where the boy and a girl are doing a wishbone and the mom's like, all right, think about your wish real hard. And then they pull the, the wishbone apart and the, the boy thinks he's won. And the mom's like, no, no, the little girl won. And she's like, no, I didn't. She's like, no, you got the bigger part. She said, no, if I won, where's my lollipop? I was wishing for a lollipop. Where's my lollipop? And she breaks down. And that's the way it happens when you pray just selfish prayers for me, me, me. Because when you think God is just a vending machine, when it gets stuck, you start banging on it and you give up. You leave a little note that says, oh, Patrick. 
But even our language and the way we talk about prayer reflects a lot about what we believe about God. You ever heard this? You know, somebody is in a hard time and been going through stuff and they've tried some different things and you say, well, all there's left to do now is pray. What? Is God a a last resort? Is God the last thing you're gonna do? The last thing you're gonna go to? All we can do now is pray? But if prayer is your last resort, that reflects what you believe about God. So here's what I want you to do, uh, if you would, for me, just a second. I want you to think about the last week, the last seven days, since last Sunday, and about the things that you might have prayed for, about the things you did uh, pray for. You can grab one of the little pieces of paper, and you can jot them down if you want, so you can look at them and see the things that you prayed for over the last week. For some of you, it, it doesn't take a whole lot. You're like, I don't know that I really prayed for anything. And that that says a lot, but I wouldn't worry about it too much. Some of you might say, well, I know I prayed, but I don't remember what I prayed. And, you know, that probably says something too. But some of you here right now are going, all right, well, no, you're right. I did pray. I I prayed for this, and I prayed for that, and I prayed at that meal, and I I prayed for my friend when they said they were having a problem, and I prayed for uh, this other thing. And and you you really have a list. And if you've got that, go ahead and jot down a couple of things. Uh, Get in your mind a couple of things. And as you're doing that, I want to ask you a question. As you're thinking about those things that you've prayed, that you've gone and taken to the feet of the throne of the king of the universe, my question is this. What if he said yes? Just a blanket yes, like in Bruce Almighty, when he's getting all the emails and he just says yes to all. (laughs) And there's a tie for the Stanley Cup. Like, you know, that. If God just said miraculously, yes, 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 to everything you prayed for in the last week, what would be different in the world? How much would be different in your life if God just said yes to everything? Paul tells us to pray about everything, in every situation, and everywhere that we go and everything that we do to talk to God, to be a part with God, to share with God. Pray about everything. When I was a kid uh, going to church, I would go with my, my grandma, and we'd, we'd go uh, on Saturday night and stay the night at her house and uh, get up in the morning and go to church and then come back and eat the big lunch, the big, you know, because Granny would cook, like, giant amounts of food every week. And it was, you know, some of my, my happiest memories and probably a lot of the reason why I am who I am today. But as we were there in this little uh, tiny church in the middle of nowhere, You know, 30 years ago, gosh, uh, just realizing that's probably the right time frame. Um, 30 years ago, they didn't have all the, the newfangled uh, praise worship songs that like Aaron, Aaron leads us in. It was hymns. And, and some of those hymns, man, are so well written and so well done that I, I hate a little bit that we don't use them. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to sit and be all... 
you know, him singing and stuff. But sometimes they just hit you. And as I was working through this message and trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to say and how, how to talk about walking in the spirit of God and walking with peace and, and, and having that grow in our lives, there was this one hymn, this one line from this one hymn that kept hitting me. It just kept coming back and kept coming to me and saying, this is what you got to talk about. This is where you got to be. This is what's important. To the point that finally I was like, all right, you know what? I'll go and look up the song. I'll sing through it one time. I'll feel better about my life and then I can move on. But when I looked up the lyrics of the song and made sure that I knew what all they were saying, uh, instead of wanting to move on, I decided it needed to be shared. So this is an old hymn. Uh, I didn't even think about looking up who wrote it, but uh, we could figure that out if we wanted to. But it's called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I want you to listen to these lyrics. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do your friends despise, forsake you? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find solace there. And I, I tried to pare that down. I, I tried to make it where I wasn't sharing the, well, I, honestly, I did take the fourth verse off, but nobody ever sang that, so it's okay. Um, it's always first, second, and third. You just go. But the more I dug into that song and into those lyrics, the more I realized that it was everything that I was trying to say this whole morning summed up in those three stanzas, in those three, or three verses it was all, all there, the, the pain, the trouble, the heartache, everything about life and those moments in life when worry and peace is shattered. It was all there. But there was also the secret of how to get it back, of how to find that moment again. Look at the last two lines of that, or the last line, I guess. In his arms, he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find solace there. Safety and security and peace and rest. Because instead of worrying about it, instead of being anxious about it, instead of trying to solve all the problems myself, I took it to the Lord in prayer. 
That's where you find the peace of God. That's where you develop in your life the peace that will pass all understanding so that you can go out in the world and you can use that to shine light into dark places. Because sometimes in the storms of this world, the brightest light is the one that's standing still and quiet, like a lighthouse on the shore, saying, come over here. Here there is rest. Here there is safety. Here there is the peace that transcends all understanding. But it all comes back to taking it to the Lord in prayer. Friends, I, I don't know where you are today in your walk. I don't know how your walk with God is. If, if you are a prayer warrior that gets down on your knees every day or if sometimes you remember to pray at meals. Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't even know that, that prayer does anything, that it, that it works. I don't understand why you uh, close your eyes and talk before you eat food. But wherever you are, let me challenge you with this. Paul says pray about everything in every situation. Take some time this week and don't just pray for your meals and don't just pray in your normal prayer time if you've got that set up, but take time to pray about everything. When you see a beautiful sunshine, when you see the clouds come in for rain, when you have that moment of someone cutting you off in traffic or someone being kind and letting you in, good or bad, happy or sad, everything. Take it to the Lord in prayer and see if the peace of God that transcends all understanding doesn't come and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you so much for giving us the ability to come before your throne, for giving us the ability to share with you all the intricacies, the ins and outs, the goods and bads, the ups and downs of our life, and not just to share them with you, but to share them with you knowing that you want to hear them, that you want to be a part of our life in the biggest way possible. Help us to seek that out in our lives to want to fill ourselves with peace so that we can be a beacon to those around us. Thank you for your word, for your instructions that my dense head needs so often. And thank you for being our Father who loves us. So in your name we pray, amen.